Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Voss. You know, the blessings that we enjoy in life, the victories that we enjoy when times get difficult, our eventual victory when we enter into the golden gates of heaven, none of it is because of our goodness or our efforts, but because of God's gracious blessing. It's a lesson that he teaches us today through the life of, of the people of Israel and one of the battles that they faced with Midian. Today's message is based on Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Our sermon is entitled, The Lord is Your Strength. May God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of his holy word. Our first reading this morning of the words that will serve as the basis for our sermon today Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him set out and camped by the spring of Herod. The Midianite camp was north of him in the valley below the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, There are too many people with you for me to give Midian into your hands. If I did that, Israel would glorify itself at my expense and say, my own hand has delivered me. So then, make an announcement for the people to hear. Whoever is trembling with fear can return home and fly away from Mount Gilead. 22,000 people turned and left. Only 10,000 remained. The Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many people. Lead them down to the water, and there I will refine them further for you. If I tell you this one will go with you, he may go with you. But if I say to you this one will not go with you, he must not go. So Gideon led the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Place everyone who laps water with his tongue as a dog would lap to one side. Place everyone who kneels down to drink on the other side. The number of those who lapped those who put their hands to their mouths, was 300 men, while all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will deliver you, and I will give Midian into your hand. As for all the other people, let each man go back to his place. The men who had been chosen took provisions in hand along with their ram's horns But Gideon sent every other Israelite man back to his own tent. He kept only the 300 men. The camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. The word of the Lord. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Sanctify us by the truth, Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. My dear family in Christ, I think we all love a good underdog story. It's the stuff of movies, right? Rudy, Hoosiers, The Miracle on Ice. Some team completely outmanned and outsized, but whose players just play with all heart. They persevere and find a way, and end up winning a championship. Or someone who was raised in abject poverty, who applies himself or herself and 
and, and works through things and, and works hard and, and suddenly ends up becoming the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. We love a good underdog story. So much so, in fact, that I realize that there's a National Underdog Day designated for us to observe every year. It's the third Friday in December, if you want to mark your calendar. Holy Scripture has a few underdog stories. David fighting Goliath. Samson going up against the army of the Philistines. Here in our text, the army of Israel going up against a much larger, much more daunting Midianite army. But let's be really careful with that. There's a difference between the underdog stories that we celebrate in our world and the underdog stories that come to us here in the pages of God's inspired word. There's a difference. Here's what I mean. What's the moral of the story that you learn from these underdog movies and underdog stories we read about in the news? It's that if you just work hard and apply yourself and you put your mind to it, you will accomplish great things no matter what. But you know what? That's not how it was for King David. And that's not how it was for Samson. That's not the lesson that our Lord wanted to teach Gideon and the army of Israel. As a matter of fact, he wanted to teach the exact opposite thing. So what's the lesson that the Lord is bringing to us here in these verses from Judges chapter 7 this morning? It's simply this. Christian, it's not about you. It's not about your work. The Lord is your strength. Let's set the scene. If you know anything about the period of the judges from the pages of the Old Testament, then you know that it was a time of this terrible, sinful cycle that kept happening over and over again in the lives of the people of Israel. They would stray away from the Lord and would give his worship away to false and worthless idols and would engage in lawless and loveless behavior. And so after time in love, the Lord would allow some foreign power to invade and, and, and harass and oppress them for a time. And, and after a while, when they'd finally had enough of that, then the people of Israel would cry out to the Lord for help and rescue, and the Lord would graciously listen. And he would send them a deliverer, a warrior, he referred to as a judge. And that person would deliver God's people, and then they would live in peace and prosperity for a time And then eventually they would drift back into idolatry and loveless behavior and the cycle would begin all over again. In fact, we find that same sinful cycle happening seven times in the period of the Judges. Here in Judges chapter 7 in our text, we find the Israelites in the oppression, harassment portion of that cycle. Because they had strayed away from the Lord, the Lord allowed the Midianites to come in and invade their land. And so the people who had been enjoying the promised land of Canaan were forced to go live in caves and mountains. And meanwhile, the Midianites would trample their crops and eat their crops and leave them with nothing. This went on for seven long years. And finally, the people of Israel cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard them and answered them and sent them a judge named Gideon. 
The Lord was going to use Gideon to rescue his people from the oppressive hand of the Midianites. But humanly speaking, that would be no easy task. Because, see, the Midianite army, together with all of its allies, numbered 135,000 soldiers. In comparison, the army of Israel numbered about 32,000 soldiers. So they were outmanned by more than 100,000 soldiers, which makes it pretty shocking what the Lord decided to do. The Lord looked at the army of Israel and he said, I need to make some cuts. You've got too many soldiers. And so in verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, there are too many people with you for me to give Midian into your hands. And with that, the Lord had Gideon make an announcement that any soldiers that were filled with fear and trembling at the prospect of fighting such a great big army as Midian were free to turn around and go back home. 22,000 of their 32,000 left. You can imagine what was going through the minds of the soldiers. What in all the world was the Lord doing? Telling an army you have too many soldiers to win this battle, isn't that kind of like us saying, well, I've got too much money in the bank to pay all of my bills? The Lord stated his purpose, though, of course, at the end of verse 2. He wanted Israel to know, and he wanted Gideon to know, that it was God's power, not Gideon's power, not Israelites' army power, but God's power that would deliver them from the hand of the Midianites. The Lord is your strength, Israel. Yeah, this was going to be a huge victory for the underdog, and the Lord knows our sinful human nature. Underdogs, after some unlikely victory, are prone to trade flat-out fear for prideful arrogance and boasting. Vainly take credit for what they have accomplished. And so when the last Midianite had been disposed of, the Israelites might have discounted God's miraculous help and might have thought to themselves, we won this battle. It was our skill. It was our prowess. Glory to us in the highest and dismiss God out of hand. That's why the Lord trimmed down Israelites' army. Can you just imagine how the jaws of the 10,000 soldiers who were left must have fallen to the ground when 22,000 fellow soldiers turned around and said, we're out, we're going back home. So now it was 10,000 soldiers who would go up against 135,000. Those aren't good odds. But the Lord said 10,000 is still too many. So he determined to make some more cuts. They took the army down to a spring so that all the soldiers could get something to drink. 9,700 of those soldiers knelt down to drink by putting their face down into the water, the way you'd, you'd get down and get a drink from a, a drinking fountain. Those 9,700 soldiers were sent home. The 300 who scooped up water into their hands and lapped at it like a, a dog drinking from a dish, those 300 are the ones that Gideon was to take into battle. Those 300 men would go to war against the 135,000. 
Think about that. It's one thing for a team to play against another team that's much bigger, much quicker, much more talented. But they weren't playing games. They're fighting a war. Their lives were at stake. They were outmanned 450 to 1. So if you're a soldier engaged in hand-to-hand combat, Do you think you would single-handedly be able to dispose of 450 soldiers of the enemy's army? And even if you were, would you trust the other 299 soldiers to each be able to handle 450 opponents? The point is, this had become an impossible situation. Not even the best soldiers in the world at the time would stand a chance against an army that much bigger. And believers, that was the whole point of it. God wanted his people to learn, to know, and to never forget that the Lord was their strength. This victory would belong to the Lord. There would be no way that the army of Israel could take any credit for this victory. And victory is exactly what the Lord gave to Gideon and the army of Israel. Remember the story? You can read about it. It's in the later verses of chapter 7 of the book of Judges. The army of Israel went to surround the camp of the Midianites as they slept one night. And on Gideon's cue, when the enemy was sleeping, they suddenly blew their trumpets and, and smashed their clay jars. And they all let out a shout. They said, for the Lord and for Gideon. Remember what happened? The Midianite soldiers woke up from their sleep and they were confused. And the Lord threw them into a panic and they began to turn on each other, drawing their swords and and killing one another. And the Midianite soldiers who did survive that friendly fire fled for their lives. The Lord's strength had won a victory for Israel. And they never even had to fight. What's the lesson for us here today? What is it that God wants you to confess, to know, to believe, and to do in light of these words from Judges chapter 7? Well, for one thing, I suspect that you, like me, would have to admit, you know, sadly, I see a lot of that sinful, deplorable cycle of rebellion in my own life. Isn't it true? We constantly find ourselves taking the Lord and his blessings for granted. And as long as everything's running smoothly, we tend to forget all about him. We might mumble a prayer here or there. We might put in an appearance at church and and go through some motions. But for the most part, God, look, don't call me. I'll call you. I, I need for you to be there, Lord, in case I run up against some impossible odds in life or some dire situation, I I need your help, then I'll call out to you. Please be there for me. But in the meantime, please don't put a claim on my life. Please don't call for godly obedience. Just let me be. What a gracious God we worship. Even when we mistreat him that way, he doesn't tell us that that he's given up on us or doesn't love us any longer. He graciously calls us back to him in repentant faith. He hears our prayers and answers them. Still today, he sends his people help because the Lord is your strength. But think bigger. Every single one of us faced a situation even more impossible than that of Israel. 
we faced an army that was much bigger, much mightier, and much more dangerous than the army of the Midianites. We were facing Satan and his minions. It was impossible for us to free ourselves from Satan's stranglehold. We were slaves to sin and bound for eternal destruction in hell. But the Lord is your strength. So what did he do? He sent Jesus to fight the battle for you. And even though Jesus may have looked weak and and bloodied and powerless as he hung on the cross that Good Friday, even though he died and his lifeless body was placed in a borrowed tomb, still, that Lord, our Savior, is our strength. He became sin for us. He took away our sin, and in exchange, he gave us his perfect life, his perfect record. In Christ, believer, you stand justified in the presence of your holy God. He rose to life to seal your resurrection from the dead, washed in his blood, called and sealed by his Holy Spirit, kept in his love. You win. You are saved. You live both now and you live forever because the Lord is your strength and you never fought the battle. Trust him. Trust his compassion. Trust his grace. I mean, we know better than to boast about or trust in our strength or in our own works, don't we? Getting into heaven by our own striving, by our own good deeds, our strength, we face odds worse than 450 to 1. If you're going to try to be your own savior, you have no shot whatsoever Last time I checked, the Bible still says in Romans chapter 3, there is no one who is righteous, not even one, and that the wages of sin is death. But the Lord is your strength. It's all about the victory that Jesus won. He bore our sin, died our death. He fought our battle, and our new life and our eternal life are nothing but a wonderful free gift of his amazing grace. The gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Trust his strength. Trust his grace. Not only when it comes to your someday, eventual, eternal salvation, but trust his grace and trust his strength as you live your daily life. I know full well that some of you have been through the ringer in life. Some of us have faced some impossible situations with impossible odds. When all seems hopeless in life, trust in the Lord. Put every matter into his loving, capable hands. He is your strength. And when you are his child, nothing in your life is ever hopeless. He will work all things for your good. Trust his strength. Believe his promises. The Lord gave gave an an improbable promise to Gideon. 300 against 135,000? Don't worry, Gideon. I'll give you the victory against the Midianites. My friends, that same God has given us an amazing promise too. He says to broken, destitute sinners... I am your strength. And I will rescue you from every evil attack and I will bring you safely into my heavenly kingdom. 
And friends, when we enter through that narrow door named Jesus, as we heard in our gospel reading today, when we enter into heaven's bright and never-ending glory, it won't be our efforts that got us there. Instead, it's the God who chose us from eternity, who called us, who, who formed us and found us and justified us, who, who kept us, forgave us and saved us. To him alone be the glory. Because no matter what it is that we face in life, the Lord is our strength. Amen.